You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. times we get in the way of the things that God wants to do, we end up being the problem. God wants to do this wonderful work, but we get in the way. We step in God's way. We impede Him from doing His work. We grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit. And we choose the wrong path because we lean on our understanding. And we don't acknowledge Him in all our ways. You know the scripture, Proverbs 5, 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Many of us would be quick to agree that one of the biggest obstacles we face as believers is none other than ourselves. As Pastor Dave will teach you in his message today, the more we rely on our own understanding, strength, and willpower, the more likely we are to impede what it is that the Lord wants to do in us. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14 as he continues his message, Foolish Words. Legalism does not strengthen people. Legalism cripples them and makes them weak. Legalism does not strengthen people. Instead of strengthening the army, Saul's foolish vow weakened it, and they could not pursue the enemy. But something else happened to them. Because they could not eat God's provision for them, they became ravenous. They became like hungry wolves. They became so hungry that they went in and they disobeyed God's true command. See, not doing or doing, going against God's command leads you to really, truly obey, disobey his command. When you go with man's tradition or man's way, you lose everything. Let's look at 31 through 35. Now they had driven back the Philistines that day at Mishmash to Ai John. So the people were very faint. And the people rushed on the spoil, took the sheep, oxen, calves, and slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, saying, Look, the people are sitting against the Lord by eating with the blood. So he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. Then Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Bring me here every man's ox and every man's sheep. Slaughter them here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night, and they slaughtered it there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. This was the first altar that he built to the Lord. On this day of battle, because of Saul's foolish command, the people were so hungry that they not only broke his command, but they broke the commandment of God. The Levitical law says they are not to eat the blood. The blood must be drained from the animal. They are not to eat the blood because the life was in the blood. They weren't to eat it. It was God's command. Their disobedience to Saul's foolish command led them to disobey God's clearly declared command. This is a result of legalism. 
This is what legalism has you do. The traditions of men become greater than the commandments of God. And you know yourselves, in Mark 7, verse 8, Jesus railed against the Pharisees for placing the traditions of men before the commandments of God. And he was not happy that they did that. Many of us still do that. We place tradition in front of God's commands. We put it much higher than God's commands because that's what we do. A church can do that. A church can put rules and regulations on top of God's commands and they were raised higher than God's commands itself. That's wrong. That's wrong. We often think that legalistic rules keep people from sin. (laughs) No, they don't. Actually, it's the opposite. Legalistic rules lead people to sin. Legalism leads people to sin. Because they're either provoked to rebellion or they lead us into legalistic prize. It's the result of the religious box. It's the result of the religious box. Look what Paul said powerfully in Colossians 2, 20 thing. 23, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Oh, they look great. They look great on the outside. They have an appearance of good, but they don't do anything for you spiritually because it's man's law and it's superseding God's law. This foolish vow. These foolish words of Saul did not bring out the best in the troops, did it? It brought out the worst in the troops. That's what legalism does. Legalism makes us judgmental. Legalism makes us fruit inspectors. It makes us walk around with a pencil and pen, inspecting everyone's fruit. Well, you did that today, huh? Well, I'll write that down. Okay. Oh, yeah, got you too. Okay. We become more obsessed with what everybody else is doing instead of looking into our own hearts at what we're doing. We love pointing to the speck in our brother's eye instead of taking the railroad tie out of our eye. That's what legalism does. But he tries to take spiritual control of the situation, has a stone rolled over there to make altar and a sacrifice. It's a feeble attempt, but but men were so hungry, they were more interested in eating than worshiping the Lord. He has driven his men to break God's commandment. They were there to eat and eat and eat and not worship God. How many people followed Jesus because he gave them food? How many people followed the Lord because he fed the 5,000? How many people knew that? How many wanted just a handout instead of a look up to God? Let's read the rest, 36 through 46. Now Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night. And plunder them until the morning light. And let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. Then the priest said, let us draw near to God. Shall I go down to the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he, God, did not answer him that day. And Saul said, come over here. All you chiefs of the people and know and see what this sin was today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But not a man among the people answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You be on one side, and my son Jonathan and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, Do whatever seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to the Lord God of Israel, Give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. 
And Saul said, cast lots between my son Jonathan and me. So Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you've done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand. So now I must die. Saul answered, God, do so and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan die who has accomplished his great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. Saul realizes that things are a bit out of whack. He's coming to his senses a little bit. The delay in Gibeah, the foolish vow had taken their toll on the army and had impeded the complete victory that God wanted to perform for Israel. How many times do we get in the way of the God's blessings? How many times do we get in the way of the things that God wants to do? We end up being the problem. God wants to do this wonderful work, but we get in the way. We step in God's way. We impede him from doing his work. We grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit. And we choose the wrong path because we lean on our own understanding. And we don't acknowledge him in our ways. You know the scripture, Proverbs 5, 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. There's a condition there. You want God to direct your path? You want God to show you his will? You want God to lead you and guide you? Fine. Trust in him in all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding and acknowledge him in everything you do. Then it says he will direct your path. Saul was really confused. He comes up with this plan of attack to wipe out the Philistines. The army wanted to go. And finally, the priest says, do you think we should pray? Do you think we should ask God? Saul probably looked at him and said, has it come to that? Oh, my gosh. We're really in trouble if we got to pray. Yes, Saul, it has come to that. Saul finally consults the Lord. Should I go against the Philistines? And he heard nothing. Lord never said a word. Never said a word. Saul made the vow in the Lord's name. And it was legitimate. And even though Saul was not a godly man, the Lord had, to, had not ignored it. If he ignored it, it would have been a great dishonor to himself in his own name. Be careful what you say in the name of the Lord. He will hold you accountable for it. He will hold you accountable for it. Remember, Saul knew Jonathan was missing. Saul knew Jonathan wasn't there, and he thought that he did not know about the vow. But Jonathan learned of the vow, and if he did and violated it, he would be a sinner. And what are the wages of sin? Death. Why did the Lord not answer Saul that day? Number one, Saul was convinced that there was a problem, that somebody had violated his oath. And when he said, and no, there was sin today, he was convinced that the sin was among the people and not himself. This is a true sign of someone caught in the religious box, folks. This is a true sign of someone caught in the religious system in legalism because it's always your fault, not mine. That's the legalistic person. Always blaming somebody else. Always finding fault with somebody else. It could never be me. It's got to be you. This is what Saul's problem was. Saul was blaming them. Saul was so sure of being right, he pronounces another oath. Well, you got to go in here. Let's pronounce another oath. As the Lord lives, who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. In other words, whoever ate and whoever sinned, they're going to die. That was the oath. 
They're going to die. I don't care who it is. You think he'd have made that oath if he knew it was Jonathan? He probably would have never said it. He was so caught up in being right. Have you ever been in that situation when you were so caught up in being right that nothing was going to stand in your way to prove your point? By golly, I'm right, and everybody's going to know it. Do you know I'm right? Have I told you I'm right? Yeah, you did. But let me tell you again, I'm right. Oh, yeah, and by the way, I'm right. And as they walk out the door, I'm right. You see him in your car. Oh, how we love to be right. Oh, how we love to be right. He was so caught up in the fact that he was right that he adds another foolish vow. to The, the, the foolish vows are starting to pile up. He's going to need a cart to carry all these things. These vows are coming up and up and up. And man, he's really, you know, talk about open mouth, insert foot. Saul, you got another room for another sandal in there, pal. Open up. He can't keep his foot out of his mouth. You think he would learn? Well, why would be? I don't. I've never learned. I got track marks of all my shoes in my mouth. I'm always sticking my foot in my mouth. What do you mean? I like it there. Whew. You know, he was good at making religious oaths and promises, but they didn't mean very much because he was not good at having a heart for God. You can make all the promises you want. You can make all the tradition and religious things you want. But if you don't have a heart for God, forget it. Forget it. It's wasted words. He wasn't very good at keeping the oaths that he made. So he makes another vow in verse 39. For as the Lord lives, who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. People knew that Jonathan had eaten the honey. Oh, they knew. And Saul's death sentence on anyone who had eaten it must have sent chills up and down their back, thinking, uh-oh, what's he going to do now? Saul, we got some good news and we got some bad news. We know who sinned. That's the good news. The bad news is, it's your son. Oof. People love Jonathan. They love Jonathan. They respected him. And they knew Saul was wrong. Oh, my. Being a leader of a church, being a leader of anything, man, when everybody in the whole world knows you're wrong except you, oh, what a monster that is. When everybody's looking at it and going, we know you're wrong, and you're going, what? You're trying to buff your way out of it. Oh, my gosh. But no one wanted to say anything to Saul. This was a pretty good thing because I don't think anybody wants to go up and go, oh, pardon me, king. Uh, you're wrong. No. That doesn't play well in the court. Telling the king he's wrong doesn't play well. It really doesn't. doesn't play very well. Let's finish out to 46. Then he said to all Israel, you be on the other side, and my son Jonathan and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, do what seems good. Therefore Saul said to the Lord God of Israel, give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. And Saul said, cast lots between my son Jonathan and me. So Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you've done. Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of my rod that was in my hand. So now I must die. Saul answered, God, do so and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan die, who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. 
As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. Saul wants to find a sinner. And the way they found the sinner in those days is they cast at lots, or they used the ermine and the thurum. Okay, you can read about that in the Old Testament. We don't have time to go into that right now. But they would separate the two groups. They would select one group by a low or a high roll of the dice, whatever they did. And this is the way they determine God's will. They, and I've said this before. Even the disciples determined God's will for who would be the next disciple after Judas hung himself. Remember Matthias? They rolled it in Acts 1. You can continue to narrow in second group until you found your man. First Saul wants everybody to know that he and his Jonathan are innocent. So that's the first division. Jonathan and Saul go over this way. Everybody else is over that way. And Saul's going, okay, let's see now. And the lot falls to them. Uh-oh. So Saul says, Lord, choose between me and him, my son. And the lot falls on Jonathan. Shocked to Saul. But Jonathan is the guilty one. Look what Jonathan declares. I, I love Jonathan. I really do. He said, I must die. In order to keep the oath, Jonathan was ready to die. I love that. One commentator said this, Jonathan's conclusion was correct. Anyone involved in a conflict with another must die to their point of view if there is to be peace. I like that. Ever been involved in a conflict? with? Now you guys never have any conflict. Been involved in a conflict with one another and nobody wants to die to self? Nobody wants to give in because I'm right. Jonathan said, I must die. I must die. Jonathan humbles himself, humbles himself in front of his father, the king, and all of Israel. All of Israel is looking on. Can you imagine what Saul felt? He had pronounced a death sentence to whoever ate and violated the vow. As Saul said, admitting that his commandment and his death sentence were foolish, he hardens his foolishness and he declares, God, do so more. You shall surely die, Jonathan. Saul was ready to kill his own son rather than humbly admit that he was at fault. This is pride, gang. This is pride in the worst degree. What started out as a humble man, remember way back in chapter 10, when he hid, he was humble. Now he's been overtaken by pride. Why did God allow Jonathan to be picked? He didn't answer Saul's prayers. God had no value. He didn't want to have Jonathan's prayers. To show that he was the dispenser of lots, God answered by lots at that time. He answered. That was the way they determined the God's will. He wanted to humble Jonathan. He thought maybe Jonathan was in danger of being puffed up. Jonathan may have been able to be getting a big hit because he scored another victory. Remember, the first victory against the Philistines, Jonathan did it. So God might have been doing something with Jonathan. But he wanted to uncover Paul's hypocrisy. I think that's the biggest thing. God doesn't like hypocrisy. Read Matthew 23, the woe to the Pharisees, hypocrites. Whoa. Read what Jesus has to say about them. Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground. They simply weren't going to allow Jonathan to be executed that day. They knew that Jonathan was working for the Lord, not against him. Was this right? Should Jonathan have been executed? No, for three reasons. The first of all, the oath itself and the pronouncement of the death penalty of the oath were, were simply bad and foolish laws. They should not have been enforced. 
Jonathan broke the law in ignorance. And finally, God's approval was evident from his blessing upon the great victory that Jonathan occurred. So Jonathan had God's blessing. So the question of the day is, which had more to do with the victory that day? Was it Saul's foolish regulation or Jonathan's bold faith in God? That's a pretty easy answer. The Philistines went to their own place. The implication here is that the victory could have been much greater if it hadn't been for Saul's foolish vows. They could have wiped them out. We hinder God's plans. We hinder God's plans. Our foolishness, our pride, our legalistic attitude, this grieves the spirit. This grieves God's work. Remember John the Baptist, what we studied a couple weeks ago? He, Jesus, must increase. I must decrease. God wants to do so much into your life even tonight. The question remains, are you willing to step aside and allow him full access? Are you willing to place away traditions of man? Are you willing to get out of the religious box and allow God to do a mighty work in you and believe and accept all that he has for you by faith? Are you ready to allow him to do anything that is in his purpose for your life tonight? I love the book of Daniel. I really enjoy reading the book of Daniel. It's a great read. I mean, first of all, about the young man who was carried away into Babylonian with Nebuchadnezzar and all that he goes through. And then, of course, it's a great read, especially nowadays with the end times that is upon us and things. It's a great, great read. When we had our teenagers, we used to meet the teens the third Friday of every month for a whole year. We met teens here. We had, sometimes we had 22, 25 kids. What a wonderful, glorious time it was. But we did a study. We did a study, and it was based on Daniel purposing in his heart not to defile God. And the name of our study was Be a Daniel. And I used to always tell the kids, Be a Daniel. Be a Daniel. Stand up for what you believe, and don't defile God in your heart. Purpose in your heart to love God with all your heart. Purpose in your heart to do the things that God has shown you to do. And I've always talked about that. And after our study tonight, my call to you is, don't be a Saul. Don't be a Saul. Don't make foolish vows. Don't use foolish words. Watch out for the legalistic and the religious box that wants to swallow you up. We looked. Saul failed. He failed. As a father, he failed. He failed as a leader and servant to God. And he's failing as the king of Israel. He's failing God. He doesn't have a relationship with God, never had one. He has no relationship with the the most holy God, the creator of the universe. He has no relationship with him. Don't let that be your mantra. Don't be a Saul. Step out of your pride. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. Don't exalt yourself in his presence. Don't make vows. Don't get legalistic. Because everything we have, we have by the grace of God, and we accept it by faith. Don't allow your life to exude and look like Saul. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, or follow me as I follow Christ. Saul couldn't say that. Saul couldn't say that. Saul couldn't say, follow me as I follow the Lord Jehovah. He couldn't say that because he didn't know him. And it showed all throughout this thing. Amen? You are sure. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. 
This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises, and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.